0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you again that as we close out our Lord's Day, we are reminded that we've had opportunity uh, two or three times now on on your day to learn of of you from your word. We thank you for those that have taught, for those that have uh, taught our children, those that have been in the nursery, uh, our young people, our students opportunity for adults as well and then for the proclamation of the word we know father that it never returns void it always accomplishes your intent so we thank you and we praise you for answered prayer this evening father we continue to pray for the needs of many that are uh, listed on our prayer list but may we never forget they they likewise are in our hearts and minds we continue to lift mike up to you and dixon up to you We pray, Father, that you continue to be with them. We thank you for answered prayer on behalf of uh, so many. And uh, Father, you just continue to be the great physician in and through the lives of these folks. We pray, Father, as you know our hearts about uh, the world situation, for uh, our leaders to be gifted with wisdom and knowledge to know what to do, to know the right thing to do. We do pray for them this evening. We ask, Lord, that you would comfort those hearts that are, that are in bereavement due to the loss of loved ones. And then, Father, as we continue to look at the Passover tonight, remind us of the, of the consistency between Old Testament and New Testament and how it played out in the life of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> So, Cardiologist this week, is that right? Okay, we're in the 12th chapter of Exodus. <clears throat> and before we start down through the uh, the chapter, a very long chapter, there's a couple of things that we, I want to cover this evening that kind of give us an overview. We, we, You've heard me pray and, and teach about... Uh, the, uh, the extent of the Passover that is found in the Old Testament and then the fulfillment of that in the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. On this particular slide, the very first bullet is uh, found in verse 11 of chapter 12, and thus you shall eat it, talking of the Passover lamb, with a belt on your waist and your sandals on your feet your staff in your hand, so you will eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover, so <clears throat> uh, the lamb, and we'll see this as we, as we go through these uh, verses, but the lamb obviously was uh, representative of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, a great deal is required of the Hebrew people here, within probably one or two days, we're not told how many, but probably up to at least four days, maybe as long as a week, but much is required of them to prepare for the Passover and so they're they're looking to take uh take place of this Hebrews chapter 11 speaks uh, about Moses by faith he Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them so again through the prophet Moses the Lord speaks to the Hebrew people he doesn't speak directly he speaks to a prophet and we'll find that out as we continue through the book of Exodus. So the three things, basically three things that we can, uh, at the beginning of this, take away. The Passover was the Lord's in the sense that he provided it, and he gave them the direction for it. First of all, it's a rescue. It was to deliver Israel from the plague of the firstborn. Obviously, it would free them uh, as a people, but primarily, the Passover we're going to see as we start through this, that not all the... Hebrew people apparently followed the Lord's command and that perhaps some of the Egyptians followed the Lord's command. But in any event, it's a rescue to deliver Israel from the plague of the firstborn. Secondly, it's an institution, which means it's a a tradition or something that is uh, carried over from year to year. Um, It's to remember God's rescue, to, to hearken back to what the Lord did for uh, an enslaved people to free them and take them to a land that He had promised to, to Abraham, Isaac, and, J- and Jacob. So, the rescue and the deliverance for Israel for generations. Uh, and this deliverance lasted for a number of years until the ten tribes of uh, Israel were taken into captivity by the Assyrians, and then about Seventy or a hundred years, a hundred years or so after that, 587 B.C., 727, 587, about 150 years after that, uh, Judah and Benjamin were taken into captivity. Number three, as a prophecy, acting out the perfect sacrifice and rescue Jesus would later provide. And we're going to see this on a subsequent slide, if you would. So Paul wrote in First Corinthians these words: For indeed Christ. Our Passover was sacrificed for us. Now, he wrote this to the church at Corinth. We covered the church, the 1 Corinthians, many, many years ago, and I had reminded you a number of times that uh, Corinth is not a model church by any means, was not a model church by any means. But the instruction that Paul has given uh, the church at Corinth was to aid them in developing wisdom and knowledge Concerning the Lord Jesus and of course here he addresses uh, Christ as the Passover Um, John the Baptist said of Jesus Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world we find that in in the latter part of chapter 1 of the book of John and we also know that Jesus was crucified on the Passover Uh, and We find that in John chapter 19 so a lot of what we are learning in the Old Testament about the Passover carries over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Next slide if you would brother Tim. So Jesus is, he exemplifies the Passover. What the Lord gave the Hebrew people was a foreshadowing if you please, if you want to use that term, of what the Lord Jesus would do once he became incarnate. And here are some uh, some uh, takeaways from the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. So Jesus lived and bonded to the human family before he was sacrificed for them. We're told um, in the Gospel of Luke that he made his way with his family uh, as 12 years of age uh, to celebrate the Passover. So it was something that was integral to his education as a child. Secondly, the sacrifice of Jesus was a, por- uh, uh, a proportion to each family. It was applied to each home. It was not applied on a national basis. Most of Israel was saved during the first Passover, but not all. And we'll learn this as we go through that. So, and there's no community basis for the Lord. Um, for the lord being the example of the passover we hear today the phrase it takes a village well the lord did not take a village he looked at each individual home and the representatives of the homes we find that in the first few verses here of chapter 12. as the passover lamb was to be spotless jesus himself was spotless in a much greater way he's perfect he was not stained by sin. He did not have any moral or spiritual imperfection. We'll, uh, Peter teaches this in 1 Peter 4. We'll start to look at that next Sunday morning. Uh, whereas an animal or goat, uh, the, a, a lamb or goat, uh, could be substituted in the Passover. The Lord Jesus, and, uh, uh, they, they are dumb animals. The Lord Jesus, obviously, uh, was incarnate, and in addition to being incarnate, he is the, the perfect sacrifice of God to himself before you and I. Fourthly, it's only the blood of Jesus, uh, his actual poured out life, that atoned for sin. There is no bloodless sacrifice in the Old Testament, or there was rather by uh, Cain, but we know what happened to Cain and others. But primarily, the Lord instituted the Passover. Abraham sacrificed animals, and the blood, of course, was uh, uh, was poured there on the altar. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, his blood was let. His blood was let while he was being uh, persecuted and tortured prior to being nailed to the cross. So, this is obviously the example of uh, the Old Testament carried into the New Testament. Number five, in his death, Jesus was touched with the fire of God's judgment and wrath. This is the word propitiation. And we preached about that at length when we were in the book of uh, Romans. Uh, Peter doesn't speak, doesn't use that particular word. In fact, it's unique to Paul in Paul's writings and also in some of John's writings, propitiation. So what the Lord Jesus did in his death was he assumed the judgment of God. In this particular case, in the Passover, the judgment and wrath of God was dealt out to the Egyptians, primarily to the Egyptians, because they did not or were not given the Passover. So God was select. God did segregate his people from the Egyptian people. Uh, Number six, in his death, Jesus received the bitter cup of God's judgment. You recall in in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was praying, the Lord uh, implored his father. He said, if it's possible, if there's any other way, then remove this cup from me. This teaches us something about the the omnipotence of God. It also teaches something about the, uh, the character of God. The choosing of Christ as the sacrifice for the Trinity, for you and I, was done, we're told, numbers of times in the New Testament, was done prior even to the creation of the world. So none of this caught the Trinity off guard. None of it. God has never caught off guard in any way. So true to God's character, he did not change what was required of him. Now he certainly, I suppose, and this again is speculation, he certainly may have elected to change it, but he didn't. Because in his character, he had made a statement eons before the world was even uh, perhaps, well, it was thought of, obviously, because this occurred prior to the creation. So in that, Jesus prays in the garden. And this is a prayer that hearkens all the way back to the pre-creation time, the love that existed between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, please take this cup from me. And then Jesus himself, of course, interjects the statement, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So how different that is from you and I. We, we'll, everybody suffers in some, in some fashion in life. But to have that, to to pray that the cup of God's judgment, Jesus himself, being God, Jesus himself obviously understood the extent of his father's wrath. We don't. And so the Passover, Jesus uh, Jesus himself received the same type of punishment that a dumb animal received. Um, number seven, the work of Jesus has to be received fully without reservation. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we read this evening, we take up a cross, we, we, <clears throat> we make a, a conscious decision to follow the Lord Jesus. We want to be obedient. We want to be in harmony with what the Lord teaches us. So we come without reservation the great hymn just as i am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for, shed for me that is the way we call that's the way all sinners are to come that's the way even believing saving sinners save sinners saints are to come before the triune god with the understanding that yes my sins are forgiven but i have no reservation about who you are and what you want to do in and through my life and then number eight the passover work of jesus for his people is the dawn and prelude to their freedom. None of the disciples understood this. And we read that in the uh, four four or five verses that we read from Mark's Gospel. None of them understood, they didn't grasp this. In fact, it was years later that perhaps Paul and and John and James and Peter and uh, Jude and others that were were penning the New Testament. They began to have some type of inkling, if you please, of what took place. But as far as being able to, to understand it completely and as deeply as is required, in many cases, in fact, they write. So we, we don't understand these things. But we're writing them in obedience to uh, the triune God. So... These are some of the uh, characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ that's found uh, in his uh, being the Passover land. Next slide, brother. All right, so look at verses 12 and 13. He says, uh, Do it in haste. Eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now that phrase, I am the Lord, is found, and I'm not, I haven't tabulated it, but it's found almost in every chapter, sometimes several times in every chapter in the book of Exodus. Now the blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. <clears throat> Obviously, the phrase Passover comes from uh, this particular verbiage that we see here that uh, that Moses used it used here for Israel to be spared the judgment on their firstborn. Now, here's the in- interesting thing: Israel was spared. Jesus was not he that spared not his son but delivered him up for us all so you and I have the benefit of of the application in some supernatural way of the blood of Christ to our life and the forgiveness of our sin for Israel to be spared the judgment of their firstborn they had to do something they had to apply the blood because the blood of the lamb was essential to what God required. It had to be innocent. Uh, it had to be uh, a lamb. And obviously it was to be not slain. The blood was to be saved. It was to be eaten in its entirety. All of this was to be followed. Well, what if an Israelite home didn't believe in the power of the blood? Now remember, they had been... Slaves in Egypt now for going on 400 years. In fact, one of the great verses in Exodus chapter 1 is there rose up a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. So all that's behind them. And so they had been immersed in a pagan culture. They weren't observing uh, sacrifices and certainly weren't observing Passover. So there were, no doubt, some that didn't believe in the power of the blood. Uh, They could sacrifice the lamb and eat it, but they would still be visited by judgment. This is what the author of Hebrews meant when he said, by faith, Moses kept the Passover. There was faith required through this. It wasn't simply a matter of works. There was faith in what God had required. Second, uh, the next bullet is an intellectual agreement with what God required of the blood was not enough. They actually had to do uh, in faith what God required. Now, well, this is always what God requires, and that's we see that so beautifully in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, Moses kept Passover. So, interestingly, we learn that God regarded Israel as his firstborn. And if Egypt refused to release God's firstborn, then God required the firstborn of Egypt as a penalty and a judgment. Now, this changes in Jesus Christ. No one was released, or or, excuse me, all sinners are released, those that trust in the Lord Jesus as their Savior, but Christ was not released. Someone had to complete the carrying about of the giving of blood as we read this morning in in Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2. Someone had to do that, and Christ is the only one that could do that to the the satisfaction of God the Father. So what we see here, the last, this last plague, is its penalty and its judgment on Egypt for perhaps 400 years of slavery, but primarily for being disobedient to Yahweh during the past ten plagues. So, let's see, do I want, verses 14 through 20. So I think I'm going to stop there this evening. We'll we'll pick up the institution of Passover and unleavened bread as feast. So again, you will notice, we're not going to read this, but you will notice that very definitive instruction is given. And, this was carried out, was to be carried out not only this first time, but every time Israel observed the Passover. Every single time. So God's meticulous in his in the structure of this type of worship. This is a form of worship. Anytime blood is shed is a form of worship. So He speaks here, he says you're going to eat unleavened bread, we'll speak to that next week. You have these many days that you need to get this accomplished with, uh, and there's a reason for that you eat only unleavened bread. Any comments or questions on what we've covered this evening? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for your son. And Jesus, we love you because you became the triune God's sacrificial lamb, not only for the Trinity, but also for those of us that know you as Savior. We thank you for your willingness to drink the cup of wrath in our behalf. We thank you for taking our sin in some supernatural way. He that knew no sin became sin for us. And so we thank you for that great truth this evening. Lord, as we continue through this 12th chapter, teach us how we are to elevate, glorify, and worship you in spirit and in truth. Abide and be with our church family as we depart from this place this evening. Keep us safe. Give us a week where we can say Uh, It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.